This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winner is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Isis, Corey Smith, and Corey Thone, and we're here to talk about that ridiculous episode from Sunday night, Beyond the Wall. Um, Let's get right into it, because, my God, you guys, I don't think I've ever watched an episode where I simultaneously hated it and then really, really liked it. At the same time, and Corey Smith, I'll go to you first. Like we were talking before the episode, before we started recording tonight, I liked it while I was watching it, but afterward, I just start thinking about all the holes in, in the episode and how many things I didn't like about it. And you had the same thought. Yeah, uh, I mean, to me, it was kind of like watching, you know, the first or second Transformers movie. <laughs> um, you Transformers? know, you watch it, and you're like. You're watching it. I mean, the only thing we were missing was an absurdly hot woman just running randomly around all the action shots. Um, but, I mean, like, you enjoy it when you're watching it. Like, you know, so I watched it Sunday night, and I you know, I, th- I enjoyed it a lot. And then, you know, Monday I'm writing my review, and it's like you just start thinking about it. And you're like, well, that didn't make any sense. That didn't make any sense. Why the hell did they do that? That was convenient. Mm-hmm. And so you just start picking it apart. But when you're watching it, you're you're – you get into it and you enjoy it. It's only afterwards when you kind of think about it a little bit that it just kind of gets ab- absurd. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I've softened a bit since first saying I hated it, but I, I do like it overall. I think it was a good episode. But um, And I, I will touch on this later. I just think that this episode and the past episode before this, Eastwatch, they're just really starting to kind of show the uneven nature of Season 7. So. I agree 100%, and I know Dan was talking about that earlier today at work. Isis, um, how did you feel about the episode overall, especially with how fast it went and the fact that it was an extra long episode? Yeah, I was totally expecting, you know, it was going to be super fast-paced. I 
was not prepared for what they showed. Um, I wanted to really, really love the episode because it had a lot of action. A lot of things happened. The, the story was moving forward. But it was the, the – there were some things that, you know, just kind of – you'd scratch your head and go, oh, my gosh, where are we going with this? <laughs> um, you know, a couple of those things would be like the chains and, and all those oh other gosh. things. And we'll, talk, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. But, yeah, I think a lot of it was the pacing of it um, – is faster than any of the episodes that we have had this season. And so that kind of leaves you with a, a bad taste in your mouth that, hey, they could have done this a different way. You know, I could have named like three different ways they could have done the whole Danny thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but I overall, moving the story forward to get us to the season finale, you know, I'm okay with it because we're going to get to the season finale, which is going to be a super long episode. Yeah, well, moving us forward was basically racing us forward. Corey Thone, uh, as penultimate episodes go, this was kind of a weird one because we didn't have a huge, we had a huge battle with, with the undead, but usually like in season six, we had the Battle of the Bastards, and, uh, season five was Hard Home, I believe, right? So like, how'd this rank for second to last episodes of the seasons for you? Uh, I don't know. I would say I'd put it, in terms of just battle episodes, Bastards is better. Hard Home is better. Blackwater is better. Yeah. It might not be. And a big part of it isn't the action scenes, which were intense and um, very visceral, interestingly shot. I mean, the, the episode was full of some unique ways to film them fighting the walkers while cleverly disguising the fact uh, until the very end that walkers could probably climb up that five-foot rock and just surround them on all sides. Um, not to be a dick, but those episodes full of stuff like that where it's like, why wouldn't they just... We saw them careen off ledges and, you know, pad Lemming. the ground for they others. They lemminged off ledges. <laughs> yeah, they lemminged off ledges and padded the ground for others falling behind it. Why wouldn't they just climb on each other's shoulders and go on there? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, it was... A very visceral episode, but it, in terms of overall episode quality, it certainly isn't in the top three or four best battle scenes of Agreed. the series. Agree 100%. Let's get right into it. So, episode picks up right where um, we left off. The uh, Magnificent Seven is walking through the frozen tundra, and we get some pretty interesting conversations. Uh, we've got John talking to Jorah, Tormund talking to the Hound, um, Barrick talking to John, uh, all kinds of cool little, little interactions. Uh, uh, Isis, out of your, out of those conversations, what was your favorite interaction? Oh, by far, it's going to be the Hound and Tormund. <laughs> I swear that was the best interaction. I don't know why they don't give Tormund more lines. He is absolutely hilarious, and he you know lights up the screen wherever he's at, um, especially when he was talking you know uh, to the Hound about Brienne. And to be honest, that was for me. That was it. Um, <laughs> when he's talking about, and he's like, "You know her. I want to make babies with her." <laughs> that was everything. I, oh my god, that was so everything. And and you know the hound's reaction to that. Uh, he was definitely playing it very cool. Uh, not to mention that he got his ass whooped by Brienne and was left for dead. Brienne, so, fucking Tars. <laughs> so I, I think that was really wonderful. Um, I felt like 
the the scenes between uh, Jorah and John. I'm I'm going to say for myself, I could have done without those. I really didn't really? care. I wasn't I wasn't invested. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I just really wasn't invested in them talking. You know, he was like, "Oh, this belonged to your dad." It just felt so forced and so like. Okay, now we need to do this. We need to have this conversation. I don't know. It just didn't feel as natural as the uh, the hound, you know, and the the, uh, the hound Norman. And then Barrick. Oh my gosh! I mean, if that guy is not freaking uh, what's his name from Ice Age, I I don't know who he is. Because I saw you, your tweet. That was pretty on point. Yeah, I mean, well, and I think I don't know. I think it was Sarah. Shout out to Sarah, who has said this before, and I tweeted it during the live tweet. But it's so true. He says stuff, and you go, what the hell is he talking about? Uh, you know, it just sounds like he's talking into this big circle. Um, and then, But you don't want to miss it because it may be something really important. Uh, so that's how I lump them in. And that, and that and, you know, conversation was very good. But by far, it was Tormund and the Hound that stole the freaking episode and i would watch a reality slash you know kind of real show of them just walking around and <laughs> talking just, shit just, to each other just talking shit to each other i'd watch <laughs> cory phone i hit on something re-watching the episode uh tonight before the podcast you always talk about how house mormont has always been basically the shield for house Stark, pretty much and literally the shield in the battle of bastards but um there were a couple moments in this episode that I, I thought of you as watching it. Like um, Jorah gives John Longclaw back to him. He's like, "I don't. I, I disgraced my house. It belongs to you." Um, and then as John's coming out of the ice, and at the end of the episode, towards the end, the first thing he grabs is Longclaw. So basically, again, House Mormont has saved Jon Snow to an extent because he used the pommel of the sword to climb out of the ice. Um, and then it was a, there was a nice little moment. See, I disagree with Isis on this point because I, my favorite moment was the interaction between um, Jorah and John. And Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah Mormont, in my opinion, obviously is arguable, but could act circles around any of that cast that was out there on the ice. Uh, but um, just with a look, his eyes could act could uh, outact Kid Harrington, in my opinion. But um, what did you think about Me? their interaction? Uh, I mean, I thought it was something that we've been wanting to see for a while. It's we didn't even get everything that we wanted from the interaction. We didn't get John being like, "Oh, by the way, your niece is a little firecracker," and <laughs> all this kind of stuff too. So, you know, there's there's a lot between them. the The real shame about that scene and about all these other conversations that were super important things we've been wanting to. I don't know. See, happened for a while, like John and Barrett talking about being resurrected. Gendry, uh, you know, speaking his piece to Barrett and, and Thoros for selling him. All that stuff. They all felt half cocked and not quite. I don't know. Almost filler. Not quite fleshed out. Yeah, it was. It was basically we would cut to <clears throat> either Arya being a lunatic or. Uh, Cersei or Jamie or whoever we would cut to, Danny, Tyrion, I can't remember. We would cut to them <laughs> and come back, and it would be John with someone else from the the group Magnificent Seven talking about 
Oh, my name is John Snow. They go, like, oh, I'm Barrick Dundan. I've also been resurrected, and you and I have been resurrected, and we shall talk about it now. And then they come back and goes, I'm John Snow, and you are the son of Gior Mormont, and now we will talk about this sword. And it just felt very. Someone compared it to the Star Wars prequels. Oh, the way that how it would just cut to a scene of two people that need to be talking some sort of expositiony talk, and they would just say their piece, and we'd cut away. And the scenes, the, the reason that everyone loves, other than the fact that it was funny, the reason everybody loves the Tormund Hound interaction, it's just not something we were expecting. It's right. not a conversation that, that we've been waiting on that could disappoint us. So it's just this whole episode, I think, and Smith hit on it earlier, this episode really highlights the problems with the season as right. a whole. The rushed uh, I don't. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why they didn't at least do eight episodes. I, I think we are really feeling the rushed nature of this right now. And this episode in particular, which had you know um, an arc where a guy just run back, run back to the wall, run Charlie, run as fast as you can, <laughs> and you know just the that's so stupid. How as that's I don't want to get into it right now, but. Just the shortcuts taken with the plot and with the time. Mm. They didn't even do a good job. If all they would have had to do to make us understand how much time had passed between Gendry leaving and them sitting on the rock was for someone to be like, oh, we only have enough water for, you know, or whatever supplies for five days and it's been three. I know, but we got to wait for Dan. Like, there, you've solved it. Now we know how long (laughs) you've been there. How is that not in? The episode, I don't understand. It, there, there was just a lot of weird moments, but then a lot of big rev- revelations as well, like with the all the the whites falling down and yes. dying. Yes, yes. So I mean, there's important things happened, not just north of the wall, important conversations and stuff. But man, the the rush nature of it really took a lot of the shine off of a conversation between. Um, Mormont and John that we've all been waiting for for many seasons now. Great point. Um, Corey Smith, I think you wrote an article on Wicked about uh, the director of the, of the episode. Wasn't it Alan Taylor? Correct. And so, yes. like, is he the guy that we have to blame for all of our whinging? Because we're whinging right now, correct? Yeah, basically. My new Thanks, favorite Sarah. word, Thanks, by the Sarah. Way. Thank you for uh, clarifying that it actually is pronounced whinging. Yes, my new favorite word. Um, yeah, and his his explanation was kind of insulting to basically anybody with half a brain. Um, you know, he's you know because there was the the raven that got to Danny super fast. Obviously, Gendry getting back to the wall in the blink of an eye. Um, you know, all that stuff. And and he said that he had read a review and people were complaining about the time and he didn't understand it. You know, because we have dragons on the show, so you know why are we worried about time? And it's like, that's such an insulting answer because, you know, we accept that dragons exist within the medieval fantasy magical world or whatever you want to call it. We, you know, but we have rules for them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And just because we have dragons doesn't mean you get to throw every rule out the window. I mean, if the Night King had busted out like a, you know, like a freaking tomahawk missile or something and you know or which he basically did 
which he did, and we'll get to that. But <laughs> it, just, like, you can't just break all the rules and say, "Oh, well, we have dragons." Like, that doesn't mean like we're not basing this on real world. You know right. what I mean? We're basing it on the rules you've already established, and we've seen in previous episodes how fast ravens move. We've seen how far East watches and how far they walked. Even in this episode, they were walking forever. And then Gendry basically sprints back to the wall and, like, you know, runs a 440 or something. And it's just like, what is going, you know, and so the, well, the whole argument say, is insulting. I will say, Smith, about the the running back to the wall part, which I think is dumb. I've already said that. I think it's dumb. We didn't actually see, like, they left early in the morning, and by the sun being behind us, like, afternoon was when they got in trouble. So... We don't know how long they've been out walking. It could have only been four, five, six hours of, you know, how many guys were with them, 10, 12 guys walking in a line, which takes longer than one guy running. I mean, did you just well actually him? No, 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 no. I'm just saying (laughs) I am agreeing with I am saying that the Gendry getting back to the wall that same day. Like, I don't know. It's it's still dumb. But also, it they might not actually have been that super far yet. The dumb part was the fact that, like you said, the ravens got there so quick, and the dragons got like, how could Danny hold on to a dragon that was flying as fast as that dragon would have had to fly? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I, and sure, there's some leeway, and you could and you could argue that, and I'd much rather him argue that. Like, why not say, oh, well, we we weren't sure how much time exactly passed. You know what I mean? But just to say, oh, well, we have dragons. Why are you worried about that? It's like, well, we know the rules. We've been watching this show for seven seasons. You know what I mean? We know how long it takes this and that to happen. And right. you just kind of throw them out the window. And it's not just this episode. Obviously, we've seen it in other episodes this season with people jumping around the map with no, no relation to geography or distance. Little so, fingers jetpack. Yeah, so I mean, it it, it just kind of strikes to the you know what we've been saying about just the uneven nature of the whole season. So, but. well, um, that that aside, and I want to talk about rules, established rules later. But let's go to Winterfell really quick, <sighs> and let's talk about uh, Arya and Sansa. Uh, Isis, mm, I really, really, really want. Winterfell to be good because that's my favorite spot. I've, I've said it in many podcasts. Uh, I love the North. I love Winterfell. I love the Starks. But God damn it, Arya and Sansa are either A, putting on a show, a murmurs farce for Littlefinger to trap him, or B, this is the worst sister drama in the history of television. Where do you land? This I- is the worst sister drama in, in all of the land. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I really am hoping that this is all scripted. They are doing a show, but the way, you know, uh, Sansa reacted to seeing Arya's faces, the way Arya reacted to finding the note in Littlefinger's room, it just doesn't leave me to believe that this is this is a game, this is a farce that they're they're pulling on him. I did note that the argument that they had, that Sansa and Arya had, uh, where you know Arya is talking about uh, uh, you know her dad clapping for her and everything, was very public. Mm-hmm. So could have been one of those situations where they were playing a show for um, 
for Littlefinger or whatever, but the, the venom that was coming out of their mouth was palatable. I mean, it was very, it, it's something that you definitely, when you're wanting to go go after a sibling, that's the shit you say. You drag that shit up. Yeah, that's and, like the shit you can't take back. Yeah, that, exactly. It, it's not shit that you're like, oh, well, you, you know, rip my doll's heads off. No, <laughs> that was not it. And uh, so they were really kind of giving each other the business there. So I, I, I'm very hopeful that, yes, it is just some kind of farce against it, or if Arya just pushing Sansa to have to make that decision. Are you going to go ahead and attack me, your family, or Jon Snow, whatever? Or are you going to go ahead and attack Littlefinger, who is... Um, so, Corey Smith, let me go to you while Isis fixes her mic. You don't think it's acting at all. You think, like... Uh, what the hell's up with Arya? Like, usually it's Sansa that people really, really hate on, but it feels like Arya is coming at her too hard. Yeah, I mean, I just the the whole thing just seems okay. It, a, I I don't think Sansa is clever enough. I'm not going to call her stupid, but she's not clever enough to run a a con on Littlefinger. Let's just be honest. Okay. Like she might be capable of running Winterfell and all that, but Littlefinger is a class A manipulator. There's maybe Varys and you could say maybe Tywin, someone on that level that could match, you know, or Tyrion could match Littlefinger wit for wit. So let's just there's that. But B m- most importantly, Sansa and Arya have that third conversation where Arya threatens to cut off Sansa's face. That conversation's completely in private. Arya shuts the door before they go in there and shuts it after her. So that's true. How how would that be? You know, playing into Littlefinger. You know what I mean? Yeah. And second or third, I don't even know what point I'm on. If they were tricking Littlefinger into picking one side or the other, then that's removing his his kind of role in the matter. You know what I mean? Like if you're tricking him into choosing one or the other, then that that then that doesn't mean he's necessarily a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like that's true. we know he's a bad guy, but if you're if you're if you're running a it's like uh what do they what do they call it with the, the police officers when you you know they can't like good uh, cop bad cop entrapment no 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 entrapment okay yeah entrapment so like in a court of law it wouldn't hold up if you're like basically doing all this and leading them there so I I just don't buy it that they're running a con I do think eventually they might realize that Littlefinger's trying to play them but I don't think they're doing that and yeah Arya's definitely coming off as more of the crazy psychotic you know, murderer in this whole scene. Cause she's, she's threatening to cut off Sansa's face because of what she wrote a letter. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right. Like she, her letter didn't get Ned killed and her letter didn't get Rob killed. Like she, you know, I understand it looks bad and yeah, Arya wouldn't have wrote the letter, but Sansa was just trying to survive. You know what I mean? And you can't really fault her for that. If she didn't outright betray her family, she didn't, you know, tell them where Rob was going. She didn't, you know, tell them a, a backdoor into Winterfell or something like that. She didn't outright betray anybody. So I just find Arya's actions to be, I mean, she could be mad at her. Like, why'd you write that letter? But not, I'm going to cut your face off and wear hat. Like that just, I, I don't know. Arya was, she was super excessive. I didn't like Sansa in the whole 
sequence either because she's running around talking about how many guards she has every second she can, and it just she, they just both kind of came off as I don't know. Sansa was sort of petulant, and Arya was you know overly aggressive, and it's yeah, and you're just like, what's going on? And Sansa's mouthing off about winning the Battle of the Bastards as she sat on her horse, and it's just like I. I, I didn't like the entire sequence. It, I felt it was a step back, especially for Sansa. Um, and Arya is just coming off as crazy. So I don't here's know. what I don't get. Um, and by the way, a nice shout out about the back door to Winterfell and in, in, in the books and Theon telling Mance Rayder where the back door is. Anyway, uh, Corey Phone, uh, what bothers me about this whole thing is Arya. She knows that Littlefinger conspired against Rob. She was in. Heron Hall, when Tywin was talking and and to Littlefinger and making these grand plans to you know whatever was going to happen like Bruce Bolton turning and all that kind of stuff, she was there. She knows Littlefinger is a double dealing, backstabbing bastard, and yet she still is going full on at Sansa. And then again, Sansa is an idiot for going into Arya's room. <laughs> I mean. I mean, there's so much bullshit at Winterfell right now that I it's it's barely palatable. How how do you feel about your favorite character, Sansa? Well, Arya is obviously, and we all know this, being incredibly hypocritical because, like you said, she was in order to survive, she served Tywin Lannister and Littlefinger wine for mm-hmm. ever. I mean, she should be very sympathetic toward Sansa's situation, being stuck in King's Landing, and then being everywhere else and you actually saw that back and forth at the end of their outside argument where Sansa was like you know I have scar whatever she said I have suffered I have scars as well or whatever and I can imagine and, a lot yeah I can imagine a lot right so like back in, like they both acknowledge yeah we both been through some shit maybe this is a dumb argument but then they have another one later the the real issue is if it's a if it's a ploy or whatever trying to get little finger to pick a side we already know what side he's going to pick he wants to bang Sansa. That, we already know he told Sansa his stated goal forever ago. That hasn't changed. So what, what would they be trying to bait him into picking a side? That doesn't make any sense. Now, maybe they're trying to, to bait him into making his grand move or something to try to take over as the Lord of Winterfell. I don't know. Uh, uh, the real problem is, is that, like everybody has said, both Isis and Corey and, and you, David – is that this is dumb, this is manufactured drama. I wouldn't put it past this season to have this be like a real ploy. Yeah. Like, I honestly, as dumb as it is and as silly as it is, I wouldn't put it past this season to to have this be like a a thing. Does, is anybody here a fan of The Office? You guys watch that? Love The Office. Yeah. You know, okay, so was it the next to last season or whatever where, where Pam and the camera guy get flirty? Oh my God. I hated that so much. And it's the dumbest shit in the world because you know, she's not going to leave Jim right. for, the, for the camera guy. We know that Arya's is not going to kill Sansa. This is the dumbest thing in the world. Why are you doing this? Why are you writing it like this? If this is how it's going to happen in the books, it's going to be handled differently for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just feels manufactured by, which I mean, I guess, I guess it's all manufactured by the writers, whatever. But it just feels forced. Like this drama in Winterfell between these two sisters who were never that close, and now they're blah, whatever. I don't know. It, it maybe there is. I think the most, I don't know, likely 
situation is that Bran can sense there's legitimate heat between the two of them. And that's when he's like, oh, by the way, Littlefinger betrayed Dad. Did you guys know that? Because I knew that this whole time. I should have said something, beep but up, I didn't. Beep up, beep up. Beep boop, bleep bloop for me too, buddy. And like, and then they that's they kill Littlefinger. I, there's also, I do think that my favorite theory that I've heard so far is that if we don't see Arya and Littlefinger together in the first half of the episode in the same room, then she's already killed him. Oh. And that she's got his face and is. I'd like to, that. She's that trying now. Cool. She's now she's going to see if Sansa will betray John for Littlefinger by being Littlefinger. Holy and, shit! Uh, so that that is if that is where it goes, then this will all make way more sense, and it will be it will be Arya stoking the flame, stoking the flame, trying to get Sansa to to show her true self, just like. She was taught in Bravos and everything, and then she presents Sansa with the chance, and Sansa doesn't do it because I don't believe she would, and that's how Arya knows she can trust Sansa. Oh my god, man. Why have I not thought of that? That is a brilliant theory. Holy yeah. shit, I would love the shit out of that. ISIS, yeah, that would work. Isis, let me ask you a question about the uh, whole Brienne thing. Like, um, Littlefinger suggests that Brienne would, would – protect one of them and Sansa sends her away to look to King's Landing. Um is it a move on Sansa's part to is it to remove Brienne from the playing field so she can have her guards arrest uh Arya if she needs to or is it a move on on Sansa's part just not to go to King's Landing? No, I I actually believe that it's a move on Sansa's part that she believes that um you know, Arya and and Brienne have this um, kind of connection, if you will. And if anything were to happen, she would definitely try to get in the way of both of them. Whether Arya is going to try to hurt Sansa or Sansa tries to hurt Arya. Um, so she's kind of, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to try to deal with Sansa, uh, excuse me, Arya out of the way. Um, because I really, tr- I don't think at that point, I don't know if she really felt that Arya, can you guys hear me well? Yeah, we're Sorry. fine. You're good. Okay. You're clear as a bell. Um, so I, I don't believe that Sansa at that point believed that Arya was going to kill her. Not until she saw the faces, not until that moment <laughs> that I think she was like, oh shit, my sister is going to kill me. I, I just might have made it to her murder list. And, uh, the fuck and did so, I just come across? Yes. I think that was just like, you know, like, oh crap i just i just fucked up um but i i honestly feel like she wanted you know uh brianne out of there just so that way if something were to happen between the two of them or whatever um that you know she would deal with it herself and not have anybody get in the way at least that's my opinion i think it's a kind of a weak opinion i think that whole whole is that whole part was so stupid but as long as it, as it gets me Brienne and Jamie in the same spot that I'm I'm completely for it I mean seriously like at first when I watched it I was like well this is kind of dumb why are you sending Brienne she can't do shit for you she has no real voice or whatever and um but I again I the next thing I thought of was hey she'll be in the same place that Jamie is and maybe just maybe she'll be there to save Jamie from himself again that would be awesome I would love that and um, and uh, to add to your point, Isis, 
if everybody that was with John makes their way down there, then it will be not only with Brienne and Jamie, but Tormund will be there too, making the best love triangle in Westeros, where she loves him, he doesn't love any of them, <laughs> and Tormund loves her. <laughs> and the Hound will be there. So Brianna Tarth and the Hound will meet up again, which would also be um, interesting to Holy see shit. unfold on screen. So lots of Tor- lots of fun reunions. Didn't Tormund stay up north? I thought he stayed up north. I didn't he think did. he went down with I the Hound. He oh, did he? Okay. I believe he did. Yeah. See, there you go. It's going to be yeah, like stupid. some kind of weird kind of love triangle. I don't know. But uh, I – I <laughs> somebody just saying there you go okay uh let's let's go to Dragonstone really quick because we're gonna talk about um everybody's favorite character Daenerys. I still don't get why people are shitting all over Danny. I don't understand why people think she's the Mad Queen. Who cares if she burned the Tarleys in the episode before that? She gave them a clear choice. Whatever, let's get past that. Now people are pissed off because she yelled at Tyrion and. Who listen, guys? Understand this: she is by herself. She is the last. Well, as far as she knows, she's the last Targaryen, um, and she thinks she can't have any children. And as far as we know, she can't. So she has to be super careful. She can't really trust anybody, and she still makes the decision to fly out and save the rest of the group. But Corey Smith, I know you've got some opinions about this whole conversation between her and Tyrion. We talked about it in work. It was a big, long chat between us and everybody else, and I just want to know, let's talk about how you feel Danny's arc is going now. Do you really think, like some of our coworkers have said before, that they're setting her up to be the Mad Queen? I just don't see it. I don't see it either. I think that they're they're sprinkling in the, the Targaryen kind of tendency to fly off the handle. But I think they've shown that Danny is is capable of reining that side of herself in. That she's, and that's kind of to me what makes her better and and you know worthy of sitting on the Iron Throne is that she does have those tendencies. She does have that side of her personality, but she's able to eventually rein it in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And in Tyrion's, you know, Tyrion, the conversation started off really well, and they're, you know, they're talking about this, they're talking about that. But, you know, when she started jabbing her about burning the Tarleys, um, I think I could see at least his point in that situation. And I don't think that necessarily that was what put her over the edge. But when he brought up the fact that she can't have children, I think that that, you know, that's a super personal subject for for people, for, you know, men or women, if they're not able to have children, that's a that's a really personal thing. And I think that that yeah. hit home and and, you know, I mean, with anybody, if you if you know exactly what button to push or, you know, what someone is, you know, hurts them the most, most of the time they're not going to respond in a logical way. Correct. You know uh, what I mean, yeah, I Danny's, get you. Danny's not going to say, oh. Well, yeah, I think that the Night's Watch way of choosing people would be a good way um, for succession. You know, that sounds like a sound and logical plan. You know, she's that, that comment hurts her. It hits to her core. And so, of course, she's going to respond in an emotional way. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily fault her for that. And even at the end, she did recover. She said, once I sit on the Iron Throne, then we'll talk about succession. You know what I mean? She still, at the end, gave in to what, what the point that Tyrion was making. Um, so I didn't, I didn't 
find much fault in that scene with her, but I know others did. I want to point out, too, that had she been just like her father, she would have had Tyrion roasted already. So that that's, Right. She, yeah. That's not going to happen. Ares wouldn't sit there. Yeah, Ares wouldn't sit there and let people say that to him. She, he wouldn't sit there and listen to them and, you know, hear them out. He would have been like, oh, you're saying something bad about me? You know, light him on fire. Put You know, put... Throw some wildfire on him and see how long he lasts, etc. So, yeah, I, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think that what speaks to Danny's strength is that she does have those tendencies inside her. But just like anybody who has character flaws, you know, she can still rein them in and they don't rule over her actions at all times. Isis, you had some thoughts on this. Yeah, I just, um, you know... My whole thing about this is that Danny keeps on saying that I can't have children, um, and, and this has been mentioned a lot in this season, more than any other season that we've had that she like can't have children. Like they're hammering home, right? Like you're trying to make yeah. something about it a lot. They're trying to make it a point, uh, which I, I love when Game of Thrones you know, explains something to us that's completely <laughs> obvious. We'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode. But um, one thing is this. Look, I didn't see no OBGYN tell her... Baby girl, you can't have no more babies. Okay? Didn't see that. And you all that, dry up down there. Yeah, you all dried up, girl. You, the, your, your window of opportunity has closed. <laughs> your biological <laughs> clock is not ticking anymore. I didn't see any of that shit, okay? Now, I will say this. Having – when you lose a child, um, you probably – think that okay i caused this this is something that happened to me maybe i'm just not built to have children uh so you know that's the what i'm trying to get to is the fact that she may think that she may not be able to have a child because she lost her one child and not only that but she's had lovers and has not gotten pregnant from any of them so she's probably under the thing like oh i just can't have children i can't bear any children or anything like that which you know it, like, again, we're just trying to hammer home the fact that when she does end up pregnant, which I figure that she probably will um, next season or something or other, uh, boat sex. And um, and <laughs> I think that's going to happen. And then we're going to be like, oh, all surprise. We thought she couldn't have children. No. She, I mean, that's basically it. So I think that once, uh, you know, all that kind of wraps up. But I, I, I don't think that she's the Mad Queen uh, I just think that it was something that definitely hit home for her. And I think she had the reaction that any woman, you know, would have. Um, Tyrion just basically kind of came at her at a wrong moment at the wrong time with the wrong thing. And, um, and you know, which is... It's he's been, been good at that this season, though. He's been really he good has. about saying the wrong thing this season. I know. It, he's. I mean, we have never seen him like that before. Uh, so I just, I feel like that, you know, he kind of needed to throttle, throttle back. I'm with you about the Tarleys. I could care, care two shits about the Tarleys. Right. So, anyway. Corey Smith, um... You know, Mary Mass Door, I don't know if she was an OBGYN, the village she came from, but uh, that that's kind of the prophecy that she thought she thinks she can't have children from that prophecy, right? Yeah, and I think that's where Danny, in combination with the fact that, like Isis said, she's had lovers and not gotten pregnant and lost her first child. I think that, in combination with Mary Mass Door's prophecy, is where Danny's belief comes from. But my. My point was that I found the comment in connection to this 
you know, when back when you back up to when Jorah and and uh, John, yes. you know, they're talking about Longclaw, and Jorah's last uh, comment is, "May this sword serve you well and your children after you." Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it was just kind of it was such an odd comment. And then when he said it, and then we flip over to Dragonstone, and da- and Tyrion is bringing up the fact that. Danny can't have kids, and I was like, "It's a lot of people all talking about having kids all of a sudden when they've never raised the subject before." Like Tyrion's never talked with Danny about that before, Mm-mm. and so it just seemed like a in in the same episode it seemed like an odd thing to bring up from both those characters. So I think we're probably looking at some foreshadowing there, and who knows? Maybe John with his magic resurrected fire white, you know, penis. <laughs> can solve Danny's problem. So, I don't know. I, or as that, I would like to say, Game of Thrones is planting the seed. Oh! Oh! oh. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was my kind of thought. It was, it was just it, it was two kind of odd comments that seemed to come out of nowhere. And Jorah you know basically they, said, you're going to fuck Danny, and you're going yeah. to have lots of kids. Basically, right. she said that. Yeah, and so it was just it was odd, and then to you know a couple of minutes later to bring up Danny's thing. So that that was just my connection there. Um, let's let's talk about let's get into the rules of Game of Thrones back in the north. Uh, Corey Phone, I was a little agitated by the whole kill the white and all. I mean, kill the White Walker and all the whites die thing. I felt like it was a little bit late in the series and in the season of the next to the last season of the show, to introduce the fact that if you kill one white, or kill one white walker, several several whites die. Um, Aren't shows supposed to have an established set of rules going into this many seasons? No, I don't think you have to. I mean, we've only seen the white walkers once per season up until now, so... But what happened to the one that John killed at Harnholm and nothing nothing happened that we know of, I guess? I mean, just weird. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things where you'd think they would have known that by now, but also Hard Home was a, a clusterfuck, and nobody was even paying attention to the other ones around them. Sure. Also, it was, there were thousands and thousands of them, so, you know, how many would that one White Walker have turned? And then the other times that we've seen a White Walker die, there haven't been any whites around, mm. so we didn't see that part. No, in um, the cave of the three-eyed raven, Mira killed one, and nothing happened yeah. too. So, as far as no, we know, again, too. as far as we know, as that's as true too. So, I mean, it's it's something that I mean, I think you have a good point that it's weird that we didn't know that going into this episode. But there's no literary rule that would say you need to have all of your revelations introduced by a certain point in the story i would say uh it it it's another one of those things in this episode brazier what you're getting at here is it just felt rushed it felt like and oh look at this and like why why <laughs> and why, why did, did not just... the, why did why, why did the one white not die and and i i named him larry for obvious reasons he's an asshole mm. He didn't die like the rest of them. Some of you guys get that that point, but uh, I, Larry the White didn't fucking die, and either he, a he didn't upload the, the latest iOS uh, patch that the rest of them did, or b he belonged to some other white, and he was just tagging along with this group because his buddies were tagging along. Okay, and what the hell were they doing out there anyway? Like going for a walk? <laughs> like I I didn't understand. Like it was just that was where it you know because we. Before, 
before this episode aired, we were like, okay, the plan sounds ludicrous, but mm-hmm. it's going to succeed, right? We, we <laughs> know it's ludicrous speed. <laughs> no, but yeah, you knew it was going to succeed no matter how stupid it sounded before it started. And so you're like, okay, so what are they going to do? Catch one white all by himself? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, why were they out there by themselves? It was just so stupid. Like, they're just, okay. what are they doing? Admiring several, the scenery? Several other questions about this exact thing. I'm glad that you got the ball rolling on that. I guess they were a scout group. Okay. They're moving really slow, and that was the scouts, so that explains why they haven't gotten to the wall yet, I guess. Yeah. And then secondly... The 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 white that didn't die, which Larry. I guess he was turned Larry, he was turned by someone else or whatever. Why was he not just lashing out and attacking one of them instead of getting surrounded and looking nervous and acting <laughs> like like they don't have emotions like that, yeah, right? He looked, looked scared all of a sudden. Right. Yeah, he was yeah. like, Oh God, oh now I will say there was the interesting did anybody else notice the and I, I might have been misremembering this because I thought that I noticed it. I've only watched it twice now. Uh and one time it was on a computer. <clears throat> there was uh <laughs> like most of us. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 white's eyes changed to a dark blue whenever that loud pitch scream came out that the hound tried to cover up. Huh. And I think that, and, and um, they might have been darker blue the whole time, and I just didn't notice it previously. But I have the, I have the theory that the Night King, I don't know if warging is the right term, but was looking through that white's eyes, see what was happening, and let out that squeal, obviously, so others would know where it was, so that he could hear where they are in relation to the rest of the army. Oh, I so, totally believe that that could be true yeah. because I think he sees through all of them. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute because okay. I definitely there was I think there was something. You, you're I, I don't think you're far off. It, maybe it wasn't warring, but but something was going on. I, I think you're right. You had yeah, a I yeah I had a uh, conversation with a, a really good friend of mine that he's uh, he's prior army. Uh, shout out to Gus. Anyway, we we had this whole theory crafted. Gus Balzon? <laughs> no, <laughs> not that. You know what's funny? I actually do Hashtag call him the Gus Bus. <laughs> yeah, I do call him the Gus Bus, but he's actually a uh, South Carolina fan, poor guy. Anyway, so um, see, I'm, I'm 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 applauding him at the same time bashing him. Anyway, so we had this theory, you know, just kind of using like military thought process, and, and of course, you know, those guys up front were the scout team. They were the ones scouting out, making sure you know everything's copacetic and everything. And then we have a theory that. The supply train, or S, what we would call in the military the S-4, uh, is the ones that are way, way in the back. They're the ones who had the chains for the dragon. Uh-huh. And they're okay. actually what is keeping the rest of the group of White Walkers from progressing on to where the scouts are. is because they're waiting on their supply train. So um, that, that answers some questions as far as why the White Walkers are, why is it taking them so long to you know, walk, they should probably already be at the wall already, and they haven't made it there yet. So, so. you don't think they're, because, and Corey Smith, brilliant fucking tweet during the show, you don't think there's a Home Depot out there north of the wall where they just conveniently could buy some chain? No, I think that, you know, <laughs> there is a, a, a walker who is the supply guy, and he is the one who's got all, you know, they got those 
dead horses and they just got all that shit back there and it's just taken some time for them to kind of get through it and everything and i'm saying this as a joke uh but i i really i think that the supply train of course like even in the regular military is slowing shit down yeah no i get that point my brother my brother drove uh transpo in iraq twice so i totally get that point uh Here's what I don't like, and Corey Smith, I'm going to go to you on this one. We saw giants in the first episode, right? We saw fucking giants, whites. And this would have been the perfect opportunity for three huge giants to walk up to the hole with chain wrapped around their arm and just fish the the dragon out. But no, it's a bunch of zombies with huge chains. Like, it just so much continuity error, I can't stand it. Yeah, and you know the thing that the thing that worries me the most is, you know, if this is the this is supposed to be the episode nine of the season, this was supposed to be their best episode of the season, right? Mm-hmm. You know, best or second best, because uh, you could argue some seasons the final episode is better than than the episode nine. But if this was the best episode they had this season, I'm really worried about. What what's going to happen? Because it was just the chains, the ice missile, the the water breaking and then refreezing and not breaking the second time. You know, there was just a there was a lot. John's little run, uh, Benjamin can't get on the horse. I mean, we we can go on and on. I mean, and 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 it, you know, you can't you can't have a episode that's that sloppy. You know. You can excuse like one or two of those things, um, but you know when you just start having a whole list, then it just starts to feel like a sloppy episode full of. I, I think that you know what? How did I put it? Convenient plot point followed by ludicrous. You know, followed by convenient plot point followed yeah. by ludicrous, and it was just you know it, it just it was too much overall. You Something, know, and go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, no, something that really bothered me is that they – how many times did they go ahead and something happened in front of us and everybody – I mean if you're watching the show, you get it. Okay, yeah, you kill one of the the uh, the whites you know, then they, the, or the king or whatever and, and they all die and stuff like that. Why did they have to make it a point to explain that to us? With uh, Jorah and John, I'm like, oh my god, this is this is ridiculous. We get it. I mean, I don't need that to be explained to me. And they've done that a couple of other times uh, this season. Is that they really Davos, explained the plot explainer? Yeah, I mean, it was just dragons have fire. <laughs> it's just fire really melts rid- ice. Really ridiculous, and you know, I so again, I I felt like what I, I like everybody else. It's absolutely ridiculous, but at this point. You know, I'm hoping that the people that are, you know, Benioff and Weiss are hearing everybody say, this is fucking ridiculous. You don't need to do this. Please, for the love of God, do not do this next season, the last season. Maybe there's a reason Alan Taylor hasn't directed an episode since uh, Valar Mogolis in season well, three. Yeah, no, t- he two? he never directed anything past two. Okay, past two, two. two. And- yeah, and and even he said when he you know in the, his interviews that when he left Game of Thrones it was this small little show, um, and that when he came back he was just like blown away by how large and it felt like this episode 
in particular was too large for him. You know, they should have I mean? given it to Sapo. Yeah, or uh, what was the what was the guy who did? Uh, no, not Shackman. The guy who did um, Battle at uh, Castle Black, Battle at the Wall. Oh, the Watchers on the uh, Wall. Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. He, you know, he had a, you know, in that in that action scene, he had a great sense of geography. No matter how many different you know areas we're at and i just this episode just felt rushed i mean think about this did y'all even notice that they were all using dragon glass weapons not until tonight when i rewatched yes. it tonight and the only reason i knew that is because you said something y'all were talking about it early this morning in work chat how they all had like they had a, sl- a sled full of uh, a dragon, dragon glass? glass yes and think about okay so and we didn't we didn't even touch on the the polar bear which was that oh was oh my actually, god! Let's talk about the fucking polar bear then. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. And I mean, from the moment like you saw it off in the distance, which you know you're like, what the hell is that? You know, we've never seen a zombie polar bear before. And next thing you know, it's just like I mean, my wife screamed, my dogs went running, and you know, next <laughs> thing you know, the things just smashing through everything. That's um, when Red Shirt um, Wilding Number One took it. Yes, and then. <laughs> And then when he burst into the can- into the circle, a red shirt number two went down real quick. And then quick. number three, and then Thoros. Yeah, <laughs> and then poor Thoros. And 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 so like even okay, so back to my original point about the dragon glass. When I watched that first sequence, you know they do all this fighting with the with the bear, and then Jorah runs up and stabs it with a with a dragon glass dagger. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was dragon glass. Me so when I was watching that, I was like. Why did the bear just go down from a knife? You know what I mean? And so oh, I think- they actually. So you're telling me they never even said that. No, I yes, had no idea. Exactly. They, just exactly. they should have explained that shit. And Tormund right. had a big, like, <laughs> double bladed um, axe, and the that one he was he was carrying a regular axe, like his normal axe. But then when they got into the fight on the lake, it was like all jagged. He had a different one. He busted out. It was double bladed axe, and then yeah. even. The hound pulled out like a little – it was almost like a mini scythe yeah. or something that he pulled out. And, and and I guess this is my point is that this is how sloppy the episode is, is that how many times did we talk about mining dragon glass? And let's mine the dragon glass. We need dragon glass. It, it kills whites. It kills white walkers. And then they finally have it, and they're fighting white walkers, and they don't even bother to tell us that that's what they're using. It you know took I mean? me four views, four views to notice they were doing that, and I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't said anything this morning. It took me this podcast, and it makes perfect sense because I, I remember asking, you know, I'm watching it with my fiance, and I'm like, why are they all using these short little knives? It seems like you could probably right. get a better swing with a bigger knife. <laughs> right. I didn't understand why Jorah went to, to like, two daggers. I was like, why is what? he using yeah. daggers? Why did they all of a sudden start fighting, like, Mel Gibson in The Patriot with little hatchets <laughs> and knives? It right. doesn't make yeah. sense. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Ain't small, miss small. Ain't small, miss small. Yeah, ain't small, miss small. And, (laughs) and, I mean, that just shows how sloppy this episode was, you know, because, I mean, I, I, I mean, not to brag or anything, but I would say that we're, we're pretty astute Game of Thrones viewers. This isn't our first time, you know what I mean? And if that stuff is getting past us, then, I mean, that's just sloppy. Why didn't they say, you know, after he stabs him with the polar bear, man, that dragon glass came in handy. I'm glad we had <laughs> Or maybe when shit. he came up and said, hey, you know what? Uh, when you killed that one white walker, all the whites died. Good thing we brought the dragon glass, bro. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Once again, just like where it's like, where they, oh, we only brought enough supplies for five days or whatever. Exactly. Like, 
All it would it have was, taken was, uh, we've got Jackass back there with a sled full of dragon glass. Yeah, we make the new guy that nobody knows drag it. He'll be fine, though, right? And then, of course, <laughs> he's he the guy. Him. He's the guy who fell down on the ice as they're running to the little rock. And he just and keeps looking back. And like, back up later on. I don't know if you noticed that or yeah, not. Yeah, he did. That was crazy. That was pretty cool. Along with the jawless one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one was nice. <laughs> But it was just, you know, that was just, I think that was just emblematic of the fact that it was just sloppy. You know, we had some cool moments, but it was sloppy storytelling to get us there. And, you know, that nobody noticed that they're using dragon glass daggers and nobody explained I think, it. I think this episode, and I, says, I know you have a point as well, but I, I described this episode after I watched it the first time on, like, Wednesday. <laughs> Thursday <laughs> was. I described it to... Uh, some other friends of mine who were like, how was it? Was it good? This episode could be crazy. And I said, this episode, uh, if you can get back with me in the Wayback Machine, back because all of us are old enough to remember cable boxes, mm-hmm. like when you had that. This episode was Fuzzy Cinemax Boots. I told you that. We talked about was this. Was it you? Yeah. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad it was you. This episode was Fuzzy Cinemax Boots. You don't have anything else to watch that's worth a cramp, and you don't really know what's going on, but you got a boner. And you know what? It's not <laughs> oh a bad deal God. to have a boner. So, like, this episode, was it stupid? Was it Fuzzy Cinemax Boots? Was it, was it the best thing we've ever seen? No. But you know what? I got a boner. And, and it's... Uh, <laughs> Is it is it because I love seeing them fight White Walkers and we have dragons flying around burning shit and it's just like the most visceral episode ever? Like this episode was so insane, over the top in all the right ways, without none of the things that make being over the top work. Right. They they swung for the fences with the graphics. I mean, my God, this is a this is all three dragons. We really got two of them in frame at once, guys. Like, right. Like there's a lot of dragon here. And, and of course, one of them goes down, which we haven't actually talked about yet. But uh, it's we get all of that in one episode. Why isn't this a great episode? Because it was built on sand and rushed production. But man, it looked great. And like <laughs> watching it in real time, it was like this episode is is insane. I was on the edge of my seat when Tormund's getting dragged to the water. I was oh like, God. son of a bitch! I thought he was dead. <laughs> I thought he was dead, and I knew the spoilers. I thought y'all were all holding out on me. I was getting ready to be pissed. (laughs) I was like, you assholes didn't tell me that Tormund dies. I was so angry, and then he lived. I was like, oh, okay. It's worth noting noting that one of the major leakers on um, the Free Folk said that Tormund died, and another one discredited and said, no, it's Thoros. So I guarantee you that's one of those fake scripts that got out that they were testing people with. And Dan Weiss, after the episode, said – we wrote this, and as I'm watching this play on screen as we're editing, I kept thinking, God damn, Tormund's going to die. He's going to fucking die. I thought he was a goner. I thought he was that a goner. Was, that was a brutal scene because I, if they go down, I want them to go down like badasses. And he was straight up screaming for help, getting drugged to his – When's the last time you ever heard him scream for fucking help, dude? That was Exactly. Insane. Like it was yeah. terrifying, and so I was, I was definitely – uh, I was definitely shitting my pants, so it, it, I lost my lost my B town for a minute, but it came back. So. Hope you brought your brown pants. So, uh, something else that I thought was um, pretty, you know, 
striking to me is seeing the hound be scared because when that polar bear comes out of nowhere i i screamed as well but you can see that the hound froze like he was frozen he couldn't do shit the one thing they did great with continuity is that you're right you're absolutely right yeah, I mean, he just he was just standing there like all this stuff is going on around him, and um, and then again with with Tormund, I thought he was a goner too, and believe me, I, I mean, I'm had I was sick to my stomach, I was about to cry, I kept on saying, "What about Brienne? What about Brienne?" <laughs> and so uh, I, it, that was really tough to watch, but so was watching the dragon and the Olympic javelin throw from fucking. <laughs> The, the North that I had ever seen. It, it was almost to the point where it's like, you know, instead of hitting the one that came in to save all the people that is on the ground, you know, the one that's the non-moving target, he goes, you know, I bet you the other White Walker was like, hey, you think you can hit that moving target? And he's like, hold my beer. And he goes and he fucking throws that shit and hits the damn dragon and the dragon goes down. And you're like, Oh, well, we already saw this in what, uh, in the, uh, what was it, what did they call it, the fucking wagon shit, what was it? The loot train battle. The loot train battle. They were like, oh, well, one went down before, but they got up again, and that wasn't happening with, with uh, Viserion, so uh, I, I just like a moment of silence. For, for R.I.P. For, for V. Like, for V. Let's pour one out, but uh, that, okay, there's two things that sold that sold that scene for me. And I want to talk about it, but really quick, let me touch on one thing before we get to it. The Hound, as much as I love him, and it made me even kind of love him a little bit more this episode, turned into a 12-year-old petulant child this episode. He was scared of the fire, obviously. He was pissy with everybody who talked to him. He stole a dead man's liquor, and then he threw a fucking rock that started the whole battle in the first place. (laughs) So I love that the Hound went through this whole story arc in this episode, but yeah – the Night King called his shot and and took down Viserion, and what sold that epi- sold that whole death scene for me was <sighs> two. Um, Jorah's eyes when he looked at Danny, like you could see, Ian Glenn acted the shit out of that scene. He didn't say a word. All he did was he had that sad, sad look on his face, and he watched Danny as she watched Viserion fall, and then Drogon and Rhaegal screaming and roaring or whatever you call it and Rhaegal following Viserion as he fell into the ice that just gutted me Corey Smith you were upset about it too and you're not you're rarely upset about shit like that yeah I mean that was that was tough to watch and and you know if you if you when you're talking about Jorah I mean you got to remember Jorah's been there since the moment those dragons have been born yeah um you know uh, only Danny has been around that long with the dragons. So, I mean, they may not be his kids, but he saw them since they were born just like Danny had. So, I mean, that was rough on him. And, and then obviously you could just see of all the people there, he's the first one to kind of turn to Danny because, uh, again, he's been there since the beginning. So he knows what those dragons mean to Danny. So, yeah, that definitely sold it. And then just, you know, dragons are huge you know, deadly, crazy ass things, but there's still, it's like to see something that huge and that powerful being brought down. It just kind of, it's like, it's such a magnificent moment in a way. Like it just, you don't really, 
it, it's stunning. And so, you know, we all kind of knew it was coming before the season started. And it, and when it happened, you're just like, holy shit, this is crazy. I mean, it had way more weight than Thoros dying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Thoros and, has been a character on the show since season two. And it's like, well. Yeah. And I mean, he, he died, died in his sleep. Yeah, we just kind of moved on. I mean, it it didn't have any emotional impact for me at all. But then when when the dragon went down, you're just like, damn, that is so, uh, you know, brutal. And it just it definitely was the the big moment of the of the episode. I think for everybody. So, yeah, it, it was rough to watch. What was nice? I saw a meme uh, <laughs> later on. I guess maybe it was yesterday. I saw a meme of Drogon flying off. And he's like, bitch, at least I learned how to zigzag. Because, you know, the Night King chucks another... Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Night King chucks another ice missile at him. Which, by the way, let's talk about this really quick. I didn't catch this until today. Again, I was talking to uh, Sarah about it. and Or maybe it was Sarah. I'm not, we were all talking about it in work chat. And I didn't get the whole fact that the Night King actually laid this trap for Danny. He never carries uh, uh, ice missiles with him. Those are ice spears. They've carried spear-like weapons before with, like, frayed whatever. It looks like fucking coconut grass on it. I don't know. The Swords. Fucking... And... Swords and shit. Yeah. The Night King has a very distinct sword he carries on his back. But this time, he's riding a horse with an ice spear attached to it. And then another guy's got an ice spear. And they, they sat there and they waited on that rock until Danny showed up. Phone, do you buy that this was a trap? laid just so he could get a dragon and if so how the fuck did he know she was coming that seems uh, a little far-fetched that it was a trap laid for the purpose of catching dragons i think maybe it's more accurate to say once they were trapped there i'd you know what? No, I can't make that make sense. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, the thing that gets me about this whole episode, I didn't even bring this up because I don't want to be a dick, but if he can throw uh, spears that long and far and hard to take down a dragon, why didn't he just throw them at the nine guys stuck on the fucking rock the whole time <laughs> that couldn't move? Because it doesn't make any sense. It, yeah, it's like, that's the only, I guess, the only explanation is we wanted a dragon because a new dragon was coming. That's why he brought these big ass chains. So I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, he knew it was going to fall know. in the ice right where it fell. That just seems like. Uh, that just seems like you're really building into him, the Night King, being able to warg or something or see. I, into things that that aren't north, I, I think that's, that's stretching it. I don't know. I I think that there, I think there's some logic to the fact that they didn't. Okay, so they they get trapped on this little route rock out, outcropping, and then all the whites just kind of sit there for whatever amount of time it takes Gendry to run back to the wall and the Raven and Danny and all that. So. And you're telling me that the Night King couldn't have crossed that, what, it was like a two-foot chasm of water some way? In, the, in I mean? the harshest winter ever. Right. I North mean, the of guy the wall. Can, exactly. The guy can walk through fire, and the fires go out. He can't freeze a little water. Like <laughs> I, So to me, it, it seemed like they were waiting. And whether or not he knew dragons were coming, maybe not. The ice spear certainly indicated 
did it because that was that. I mean, again, you could maybe explain that away by convenience because we had a lot of convenient plot points in this story. Um, but it seemed like they were waiting, and whether they knew the dragons were coming or maybe even just reinforcements were coming, it, it seemed like they were using John and his bait. And I, I think that the Night King knows more than just what you think he does. That he's just gathering an army and running south. I mean, we've touched on the fact that they haven't gotten to the wall in seven seasons, and, and Gendry did it in like thirty seconds. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? They're so, that close. They're I, I just, literally that close. Right. So I feel like there's something. And, you know, whether, you know, and they make this point in the books, in the books about how magic is brought back into the world when Danny's dragons are born and that there's some sort of connection there. And so to me, it seems like there's something going on that the Night King is not just some mindless, you know, guy raising people from the dead. He's not just some zombie. He's got something going on. Is it far-fetched? Yes. Could we be reading into it? Sure. Um, I mean, but it just seems like if you... I don't know. It's hard to argue because we had so many convenient plot points, but the missiles, the ice missiles, seem to to point to the fact that they were waiting for the dragons to show up because they never had them before that point. And so, he didn't pick Drogon, like Corey Thone said, on the ground, the biggest dragon on the ground with all the guys on his back. He picks the one flying in the air because the not only the Night King can show up Bronn, right? Like only the Night King can be better than Bronn. Nobody else can. Uh, yeah. But um, you know, this whole episode was just sloppy from beginning to end. And but like I said, like Thone, you brought it home with I didn't know what was going on. And I kept looking around going, is anybody else watching me watch this on my laptop? But I had a boner. Um, <laughs> so, But also, who else had a boner was probably Jon Snow when he was getting uh, looked over by Danny on the boat. Boat sex is coming, guys. Um, the, ne- the, the, the trailer for next episode, the finale, shows a lot of shit going down. But you know what it doesn't show, Isis? It does not show um, Danny. Doesn't show Danny at all in the finale trailer. Think think they're setting us up for a big, huge Danny superhero entrance at, at the Dragon Pit? Absolutely. I totally think that. But before I get to that, I just want to say one thing that uh, it was very telling to see the reaction from Danny when John came uh, running, you know, or I should say, was on the horse and uh, and then he was stripped down. He was a human popsicle who was stripped down uh, of all his clothes, and she was looking at him like he was the tallest glass of water in all the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> like if she could jump on that pony, she'd have jumped on that pony. Uh, I thought the conversation between the both of them was awesome. Uh, that you know, it it really. I mean, let's be honest. It was John's fault, <laughs> the reason why Viser- uh, Viserion got killed. One hundred percent, yes. He was Sansa. He was Sansa in that moment. It was all <laughs> his fault. He, you know, bears the responsibility for for killing that beautiful dragon. Rest in peace. And um, and I felt like you know he definitely owed that apology. Now I will say this. You know, he had made it a point that he would not bend the knee because he did not know her. Now, is he bending the proverbial knee because he feels bad that he had one of her children's, you know, 
basically killed or, or responsible for it? Or was it just sloppy editing? We'll yeah. never know. We'll but never I, really know because we only have one episode <laughs> left, and that sucks. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, so I did, felt like – Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just felt like uh, the the longing looks and the hand-holding. So if you are not ready for aunt and nephew sex, uh, you may want to turn away now. Brown chicken, uh, brown I, cow. I just want to say this. If, you know, Cersei and Jamie has, have not made you cringe yet, this should not make you cringe at all. Uh, <laughs> but I do feel like this is a setup. Uh, for all the people going down at King's Landing, I think Winter is Coming has already had an article out about one of the uh, about the picture, and it has uh, it has Tyrion in it, it has Jon Snow, it has Brienne, it has Pod looking like a boss standing up front, next to Jon, walking up, up front. front, yeah, with the big goofy ass grin on his face. Uh, we see um, some Dothraki with Jorah. him and and Jorah, yeah, the explorers with him and everything. So I feel like. This is really kind of setting up that, you know, here comes her, her main crew walking in like some bosses, and then she's going to fly in the big major uh, entrance. I would also like to shout out that Jon Snow looks like his clothing got upgraded by uh, Daenerys' stylist, okay? Because <laughs> he is in some shit. shiny new clothes, it looks like. See, and this is what I was trying to tell my friend about this. I said, you know what? This is the thing, is that when once a woman has her man, her main guy, he's a direct reflection upon what, you know, his his clothing is a direct reflection upon her. So I feel like she probably looked at him and was like, ooh, you're going to wear that down there to the south? Mm, <laughs> so she um, she definitely upgraded him. Yeah, um, Corey Smith, before we, 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 we wrap this all up, we did miss the Benjamin thing. Uh, I do want to point out that, I don't know if you caught this, and this is another reason why this whole episode was just a mess, a beautiful mess. Um, when John arrived at the wall, they gave him one horn. Ranger returning. Did you did you catch that part? Yeah, I caught that, and that that was the first time we heard the Night's Watch horn in a long time. So yeah. that was pretty cool. I, I I just yeah we we I mean we've been sitting here talking, we forgot about Benjamin, and that just kind of illustrates our point about how sloppy this episode was. I mean, it's like, how the hell is John going to get out of this? Oh, wait, there's Uncle Benjamin. He just ran through a whole army and lit half of them on fire. And then it's like, hi, Benjamin, bye, Benjamin. Like, what? Like he was there for like two seconds. I don't know why he didn't jump on the horse. He carried Mira and Bran on that same horse. He picked him up you know? from the horse, too. He didn't even get off the horse. Yeah. He just picked him up. Right, and I mean, you know, I mean, how much more does John weigh than than Bran? I mean, it's comparable. I mean, yeah, John is a little bit bigger, but not much. And so it's like, what the hell is going on there? So it was just, you know, it, it was just another convenient plot point. How's John going to get out of this? Oh well, Uncle Benjamin, you know, we kept him alive for seven seasons so he could rescue John real quick. That's what he does north of the wall. He just rescues people, and I don't know. It, it just He's another sucked. one that died. Was, it, Pour one out for uh, yeah. Uncle Benjamin, who, by the way, uh, Benny Alpha Weiss made several points after the episode to call him Cold Hands. So any book fans, uh, the sh- on the show at least, Uncle Benjamin is Cold Hands confirmed. Uh, Corey Thone. Bef- is he really dead? Because, like, I didn't see him die. You know, like, Game of Thrones is one of those things that if you don't see a motherfucker really die, they may not be dead. 
He got swarmed. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what his powers are really, but he got swarmed. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there because the only person that that died off camera on Game of Thrones was um, was uh, Stannis. That's true. And the Blackfish. The Blackfish. That's true. He died in a skirmish with some minor soldiers. The greatest warrior in all the Riverlands. Uh, Corey Thone, what are you what are you hoping for? For the finale, certainly not something like this. And by the way, uh, in case you guys didn't know, the episode is called The Dragon and the Wolf. Am I, am I correct, Corey Smith? Yeah, and Dragon and the Wolf. Yeah. Dragon and the yeah, Wolf, Dragon and it is Wolf. 80 minutes long, 79 minutes and 43 seconds, so it's basically 80 minutes long. So get your popcorn ready because it's going to be a movie-length fi- uh, episode. Corey Thone, what are you hoping happens in the finale? Well, I need Littlefinger to die because that's been my prediction. He's actually lived longer than I thought he would. I, I gave him till episode, I think, four or five. So yeah. he outlived my prediction. Damn it. But <laughs> I still think he dies this season. I would like to wrap up all the manufactured Stark drama mm-hmm. in Winterfell. Preach. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. Either that or have Arya kill Sansa. And have oh. it not be manufactured. We haven't really talked about that possibility. We I guess, haven't but really, no. Because it's not going to happen. That would be dumb as shit. But uh, it, it, and it's when it doesn't happen, it's just going to feel really... And, and of course, I don't know. I don't want to get on Winterfell again. But you could make the argument that, that Arya is playing the game of lies with Sansa being threatening, being over the top. Trying to get her out of her comfort zone and make her say... Her true opinions, I don't know. It still feels weird. I would like to see better handling of reunions in this episode Mm. because we've had several in this season, and they've all been underwhelming as shit. Like Tyrion and Jaime together was the best one, and it was underwhelming. Yeah. And the fact that Tyrion didn't even – we didn't even get him and Bronn talking to each other, that that was disappointing. We're going to get Tyrion and Pod in this episode, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for Brianna Jamie. I'm excited for Tyrion and Cersei, uh, Danny and the everyone. <laughs> I just think <laughs> there's a, there's this episode's going to require a little nuance, a little, uh, Dude. moment setting. Dude, you can't just have them sweeping. You know what you're forgetting? Oh my god. Here's here's how I think that's gonna play out, by the way. I think they're gonna see each other and be like, uh cunt and then they're gonna pull their swords and then their their respective leaders are gonna be like, put that sword away, and then they do, and that's the end of Clagame Bowl. And that's just <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Isis, what are you looking forward to most in the finale? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing John, Danny, and um, Cersei, how they're going to interact with each other. Uh, I feel like we are going to get maybe some resolution uh, on whether or not Cersei is truly pregnant. I mean, she said she is pregnant. I believe that she is pregnant. I do too. Um, But I feel like that we're going to maybe get some resolution on that uh, that pregnancy, w- will the pregnancy progress? Will it not? Uh, I feel like this is fucking dynasty or some shit. Um, <laughs> this, you know, so I feel like that's going to come up. I really want to see uh, Bronn leave, hopefully with Tyrion. 
Um, instead of staying there, I think that it's time for him to go. And uh, and and I would hell, I would really love for Brienne to to go ahead and save uh, Jamie from himself. That's one thing that I've been screaming is that uh, the only person I feel like could really save uh, Jamie is is Brienne. Hmm. Good point. I like that, uh, Corey Smith. Um, what what are, what are your hopes for this this whole thing to wrap up? And um, think we're gonna get the Night King flying Viserion before it's all over. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the point of bringing him back. I, don't, I mean, he's not going to bring him back just to, like, watch him fly from the ground, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that, that wouldn't make much sense. But, I mean, I, I guess I just kind of have a general hope for, for this this uh, finale that it'll just kind of pull us out of, you know, kind of what feels like a tailspin at this point, you know? Um, the season started really strong, and we've just been kind of going downhill ever since. And the last two episodes were were just lazy storytelling and I'm just hoping that the finale sort of ties it all together in some way. You know what I mean? That right. we get some sort of res- resolution to some of these plot points that makes sense. Um, you know, kind of like what Thone was saying, if, if Arya is walking around wearing Littlefinger's face this whole time and has just been testing Sansa, you know, something like that would at least wrap the you know that plot point that would make everything make sense so perfectly exactly so i'm just hoping that that maybe in this last episode that benioff and weiss you know that they kind of wrap up these things and kind of correct the you know the tailspin that we've been in these last two episodes and it all kind of makes it seem you know worthwhile um you know we ran into this problem i think in season five Season five started off kind of good, and then in the middle got really shitty. Got and then at the end, right? Exactly. And then, by, but by the end, we ended up with you know, um, hard Danny, home. The hard home, the dragon pit, or, or not the dragon pit, the fighting pits of Marine. You know, so we ended up in a good place. Right. So I'm just hoping that the finale corrects a lot of what we've been seeing and kind of justifies why we've been rushing around. Um, with everything, so that's kind of my hope. I agree. Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing uh, Euron back on screen again. Obviously, he's in that trailer. He's running a blockade in front of uh, King's Landing as Danny's ships approach. By the way, Danny's coming from sea, air, and land. She's got the Unsullied. We know Grey Worm survived Castle Rock, and the Unsullied did as well. Uh, they're forming up outside of of uh, King's Landing. The Dothraki rush through. And probably make Braun and Jamie piss their pants. Um, then you have the ships coming in with Theon, Tyrion, and Varys on one ship. Um, John, the rest of them appear. Which again, you're going to have Brienne, Brienne and Pot are, are riding up through heavy winter roads from Winterfell, and they're going to arrive either at Dragonstone and travel with John and Danny, or they're going to meet them at King's Landing. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Um, I'm interested in seeing them all interact. Like Don said, this is going to be a like a massive episode. We've never had this many major characters in one place before. This is where the shit really gets real, and this is where you'll be able to tell if Game of Thrones Season 7 was all worth it, like Smith said. I hope it was, but that's it for tonight. Um, we will be back next week on Monday night with probably a supersized episode for the Season 7 finale. So... Make sure to tune in, leave us comments if you got anything for us, 
and we'll give you a shout out on the show. So for myself, for Isis, for Corey Smith, and Corey Thone, this has been Take the Black, Vlar Mogulis. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.